that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola, and today I am with two people that I think I spend more time with them than anybody but my wife and baby girl. That is the Belle of Bensonhurst, Miss Rosella Rago, and the notorious P.O.B., the Italian American Wikipedia, Mr. Patrick O'Boyle. When you say Bella Bensonhurst, I picture Ro dressed up like she's an extra on Gone with the Wind. <laughs> with the big hat and the dress. Ro, could you pull that off? Pat, you know what's ironic? That my name, Rosella, means scarlet. So in, in Italy, they call me Rosella. Are, are you the body scarlet? I'm just my face. I never thought, Ro, how about this? Now let's think about this, right? The famous scene in Gone with the Wind. She's struggling to impress Red Butler. She pulls down her mother's curtains. She makes a dress. Why don't you make one out of like Nona's couch? Could you imagine what that would look like? My mother will do it. Don't give her ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Word. That's true. And, uh, <laughs> how would you say, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn in Malays? <laughs> that's perfect. Can we do Gone with the Wind in Malays? Oh, uh, that's the leopard is Gone with the Wind for Southern Italy. Yeah, but your mother would actually rewrite Gone with the Wind to be in Malays. <laughs> John, could you do that? <laughs> oh, that'd be no, amazing. Forgive me. John, could you give that in a t-shirt? Oh, absolutely. I, I could row as a as a Malaysian bell, not a southern bell. I mean, I, I guess it is a southern bell. Yeah, you gotta set it in Bensoners. Mm. Holding a, a numatsu the broccoli rob. I'll never yes. go hungry again. Yes. <laughs> like when she eats the turnip. That's so funny. That's yeah, you'll be eating a raw octopus. That'd be the Malays version. I'll pull it out of the sea and take a bite. How what would you call Tara? That was the big house. What would that be called in Malays? Oh, Tara is, was Villa Tapino, where I uh where I spent all my summers. There was, there was the big house, you know, the big the big main house from 1922. And then over the years, especially through the 70s. There were so many kids in the Tapino family, my great uncle's family, that they, they built up all these like cement bungalows around it. That sounds. Yeah, I mean, we could make it work. Sounds about right, we'll really. It, yeah. work. We'll make it, work. <laughs> it was a compound. It yeah. was a game compound. Yeah, that's about perfect. That's Tara. That's Tara Tapino. It works out perfectly. There was a, there was a, you know, a beach across the street, a jagged, rocky beach. This is many a summer for, I was telling Nicole yesterday, we were talking about, because, you know, we're, we're filling the house with furniture now and we're looking at all this stuff and so much stuff from when we were kids in like the nineties is coming back into style now in like a weird way. And I was saying when I was a kid in the nineties, stuff from the seventies was coming back into style. So like lava lamps were big when I was in high school and all this stuff. And Nicole mentioned having, remember those like beaded, door hangings that were yes, like yes yes right? they have them in italy all the time that's what she said we had one at villa tapino yeah, exactly she was like you know i got one when i was a kid but like all my friends thought it was this great throwback to the 60s but it was really just an italian summer house screen door right that's like everybody had a little plastic beads and i i love those but... it did nothing like it didn't keep the flies out that was useless i love that you're, you're filling your house with furniture you're still in a bomb shelter over there with your <laughs> no been... no they can't podcast man can't see that john because he's still in the new house, has built a recording studio at a cardboard box. Only in it, see, but nobody in the Italian community would find that bizarre. No, 
That's why you do things like save empty tomato jars and boxes for moments like this. I am I'm technically in the recording equivalent of like a, a cool whip Tupperware being used for eggplant. That's basically because I I didn't get, you know, shipping and, and logistics right now is still a mess. So these actual soundproof booths, you can, you know, I've got one on the way. It's like a phone booth. Basically, you go in with your computer, put it in my office and everything is soundproof. Everything's hooked up. But it's not going to be here for months. So they think we're kidding. If you see the video, he's in a box. No, I'm in a, with a light on. I mean, they're, they're other boxes. They're taped together. I'm in a box of boxes. I'm in a box. I'm under my desk. I don't have a desk chair anyway yet. So this is fine. And I have boxes. And then I just put some old moving blankets over. It's like it's like a yurt for recording. And it's been great. I, I'm you know, it's fantastic. But until I get it, it's warm as heck in here, by the way. It's very hot. But. You know, uh, I'm, it's, you're I'm getting, getting a Schwitz. That's like yeah. a Schwitzing box. Yeah, it's like a sauna slash recording booth. But, but John, before we move on, and because we got to get to our guest, if she can be Scarlett O'Hara, can I be Clark Gable? One thousand percent. I'll put the uniform on. You have it, the Constantinian uniform. I could give the Nabudan. I'll speak in Nabudan. She'll speak in Malays, <laughs> and somehow we'll make it work. That's oh, that's gonna be... gotta produce another film, and please tell me in your new house you're gonna have a Capo di Monte room. <laughs> oh, but Nicole and I actually went to a store the other day. We were looking for a gift for no, not my my grandmother turned eighty five yesterday, and uh, we went shopping for a gift. And we we see this store. You know, we're new to town. We don't know anything, and we walk in this store, and it's like you know candles and purses and things for the house, and so it's a good mix. And I look to my side and I see um, the Teste di Moro, the Sicilian heads, you know, the planter heads, but instead of like the old stock ones that you get every tourist destination in Sicily these are like really interesting new all white very unique sculptures so I said to the guy are these from Sicily and he said yes they are uh his family's Italian American and he was walking me through and he was telling me about all this stuff from like the 60s and 70s he's been importing old antiques from Italy and the lamps that he had they're like the perfect modern evolution of the Capo di Monte they're like it looks like a bouquet of flowers, of metal flowers as a lamp. And there's the lampshade on top, but it's all multicolored. And it's straight out of Italy, 1974. And he's got two of them in there. And I'm trying to convince Nicole we need those in the house. That's like my. Listen, all you people out there who left when you threw out your grandma's Capo di Monte, the day will come when they'll be back and you'll be able to buy a, a rocket ship. They'll be so valuable. Oh, please. Just wait and see. Capo di Monte is going to make a comeback. You heard it here first. I may not live to see it, but it's going to come back one day. Everything comes back. I mean, Ro, you know my my Nona. She, she's an eBay phenom. She sells on eBay and has for like 20-something years. Yeah. She's pretty much sold every family heirloom I haven't gotten my hands on. But I was telling her yesterday, she was talking about these like, uh, what do you call them? The corningware baking things. And she gets, she's got like boxes of them in the in the barn at their place upstate. And people our age that want them and can't get American-made stuff anymore, they're fighting for them on eBay. Why is she selling the corningware? That's like heirlooms of our people, the white corningware with the blue. They're not even hers. But don't forget, my grandparents had antique and, and resale businesses for 50 years. So they have stuff left over in the barn. I mean, and my grandfather goes and still picks. He still picks in people's yard sales, flea markets, transfer stations. He says he brings them home every week because people throw them out. They don't know. They're very expensive. They're like 500 bucks a piece. That is the blessing of Italian grandparents who grew up during the depression, who understand the value of this stuff. They treasure it. I mean, you, Pat, you said everything that's old is new again. And that is actually a great segue into the conversation we're going to have because 
I was doing my readings, thanks to Stephanie and her research for today's episode. And we have two gentlemen on who represent really, I think it's now agreed. I, I notice it from our audience. I notice it in the conversations, our listeners, the people that meet us. I think there's a touchstone of our community that has gone through waves that, that really, you know, obviously was a significant part of who we were in the early immigration, maybe started to see some dips in the war and then made a comeback in the 70s and 80s. And I think even now I'm noticing, Pat, we have this conversation all the time. There's another comeback on the horizon here. There's a lot of young people in our community who are making an effort to go out and restart something that has been foundational really to our sense of experience and identity in this country. And that's the Italian American feast. And Pat, thanks to you, we have two gentlemen on here today who, I mean, these are icons. Yeah. These are titans. I have never looked more forward to an episode than today because Marty and Joe are titans in the Italian American, in the musical community, but the Italian American musical community, they stand like crown sovereigns. And I am honored to have them here today. It's exciting to have them on. So let's bring on, first of all, uh, coming to us, well, I'll go furthest to closest from Chicago, Illinois, Marty Caliendo of Caliendo's Banda Nablidana, which is Chicago's premier feast band. And Marty is a music educator and historian. And, and uh, I found out in the pre-taping conversation, a collector like myself and Joe Anakino, who is the head of the Tony Neglia band out of New Jersey and uh, another music educator. And there's obviously no coincidence to that because these guys are on a mission to educate and evangelize utilizing an amazing tool that we have, which is the Italian-American Feast and this beautiful feast music. So, gentlemen, thank you for being here and welcome to the Italian-American Podcast. Thank you. Thanks. It's great to be here. We're really excited about this. And I guess to kick off right away, I noticed in my notes that Stephanie provided, Marty, you provided us with rules to the Italian-American Feast Band. <laughs> and I, yeah. I would love to, I'd love to dissect that to begin. Obviously, you guys play feasts all over the country and other events, things like that. But what are the rules for a feast band? Well, uh, the number one rule is the, the music that you're playing, that we're playing, uh, to play it as it's supposed to be played, the proper way it was written by the composers that wrote it. And having the right uh, personnel, the, the right size of a band, the amount of people, the right instrumentation, as we would say, to play that, you know, and it, it ranges from very easy, this music, to very, very, very difficult. I mean, it's, it's incredible, you know, and uh, that's the really the biggest rule of all. If you have a respect for it and want to, want to play it, not just as a job, I got to do this, get it over with. You know, you have to really be into it, you know, and also then my thing is the element that it was written for, and that's the feast. I mean, concerts are awesome, but these things are meant to be played in the feast. And that's the biggest rule of all. And then secondly is the look, the attire, how the uh, band comes off. I mean, looking like they should uh, with the uniforms. They don't have these, you know, very expensive uniform that, but just uh, this is a religious procession. And uh, I'm very strict about that. And then this is just following what they do in Italy. And it's very much alive in Italy right now, thankfully, too. The bands and that. A lot of young people playing in the bands. You mentioned in the notes that it's it's made up of almost completely Italian or Italian-American compositions, save for the Star Spangled Banner, and it's Italian military marches and religious processional hymns, right? Can you sort of give the audience a sense of what that catalog looks like? Is there new stuff being added, or is it, is it pretty timeless? 
um, it, it's, it's all timeless, but uh, there's new stuff being added all the time. Yeah, that repertoire of a feast band will be, and I know Joel will be able to chime in on this too, um, the military style marches, which are like American marches in their, uh, their makeup. You know, they're, they're better. They're short, you know, right? yeah, they are a little better, aren't they? I love the Italian ones. They're far, far more beautiful than, I mean, I would say better than Sousa or any of that. But come on, I hate it when somebody will be at a feast. And say, oh, you got to play this from uh, Sousa. Just forget about it. I'm not playing Sousa. Yes. I mean, we have a million. I can't even this countless uh, what's out there yet. And then the symphonic marches. And that's another ball game. They're like little symphonies, little operatic overtures. And they're from difficult to very uh, easy too. You know they range, but any procession should always have the symphonic marches with the military marches, and uh, also with the uh, hymns, of course, for the same. I'm not big on playing. I mean, I play some of the uh, I want to say popular stuff. Uh, I play Ogilio stuff here at our band in Chicago. Like I was saying, people don't know what it is. It's, it's bouncy stuff. What is this? And I tell them what it's about. And some Monopoly Don stuff, but not not too much in a religious procession, you know. But the staple is the military and the symphonic marches, if you want to do it right. Do you know my theory how the Monopoly Don music, like Mama and that stuff, and also Emil got into the procession? I think from what I saw in Jersey City, or even in Newark, when they would stop in front of somebody's house of a family that lost a family member, Mama. They would play mom if it was a mother, or they'd pay like, oh, play Papa's favorite song. That's my theory, how it got in, how it kind of like snuck in those songs. Because traditionally, it would, they, never, they would never play. Yeah, and of course, you know, you got to do that. I do a job every year in Netcom, New Jersey. They're celebrating their 100th anniversary of their society. San Cesario in Netcom. Exactly, exactly. A guy, a guy hires me every year, and uh, their deal is they want Towards the end, they do the fireworks, and then we have to do the March Real, and then we have to do Mama all the time. And we got, I mean, we're doing a 25 or 30 of those before we end the, the, the feast. And the guys are going, please, can we do something else? I said, no, this is what they want. They're hiring us. We have to do it. I can relate. I even had a guy years ago that actually, actually said he can't stand Mama. He started using four-letter words. They almost threw us out of the feast. And I wasn't, I wasn't the leader. I wasn't the leader. Some other guy had to calm everybody down. But the mama thing, they do mama a lot. And they're right, because if they say, you're hired for this reason, you can't say, oh, I don't like the song. You got to do whatever they tell you to do. And uh, uh, I have to tell you, I work in uh, a music store in Vernon uh, Field, New Jersey. It's called Odebella Music. Now, um, I had a tattered arrangement of La Triestina. And I noticed that all the bands in my area play this song. And uh, I, I saw it was so tattered, I couldn't even read it. So I read the bottom of the thing and it said, Oh, the Bella Music, 1941. Right. Wow. I said, wait a minute, I work here. Hold it. So I said, hey, Mike, Mike the Bella. I said, what's this? Do you have this? He says, oh, yeah, 501. He goes right to the file cabinet and he grabs it. And he hands me a whole brand new arrangement with all the copies and parts in it. And then I said, "You wait a minute. And then he comes out with 30 more, you know, the, just the titles. He's not going to give me these yet, right? And I said, you got 35, 40 of these things? He goes, yeah. I says, now I'm really in business. I'm going to be doing symphonic uh, arrangements forever now. Are you telling me that the that the place you work now, which is a music store, yeah. has been 
providing feast music and Italian music since before the 40s? Some of them said 1917 on it. Yeah. And, and it's uh, some of them were actually written by his grandfather, Anofrio de Bella, because the name of the music store is O Apostrophe de Bella. It sounds it's Irish or something like that <laughs> with an Italian <laughs> last name. But it's O de Bella, meaning Anofrio, which is Fred, Fred Frederick. And uh, he wrote a lot of them. And then he brought them a lot from Italy also. That's mind blowing for me because I, that's why I love this show. I, I get revelations of Italian Americana that I had no idea. Pat, I'm very disappointed you didn't tell me this place was here. For, as, I didn't as, even know. My, my now. He, just, he went there for the first time. I had no idea. I had to drop off the check for my own feast and my own procession. That's right. I never knew the place was there. I'm sure. We got to make a road trip. I just found out. I just found out. And he's a mandolin guy, too. Anofrio de Bella used to do um, all. He made mandolins. He made band instruments from scratch. And I have books on it. And uh, something about uh, the mandolins, they hang up like salamis or something like that. Wow. Is book. And I just learned this and I learned it after Pat picked up the check. It's like our work with Ernie Rossi, right? Like you go to Ernie Rossi and I just helped him clean out a flooded storage unit like a month ago. And it was, I mean, it felt like Indiana Jones at the end of when they roll in the Ark of the Covenant. You've never seen so many boxes and stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of it got destroyed. But we tried to rescue as much of the, at least the sheet music and records as we could. Damn. And, you know, that that family's been producing Italian and, and Italian American sheet music and records since for 110 years. And we were yeah. absolutely digging through to salvage and hopefully preserve what we can. Thankfully, that unit didn't actually contain the majority of the musical heritage, but yeah, this is amazing to me because this is our heritage. And I remember when I was working at NIAF, a woman from, and I'm going to forget where it was, somewhere in a very, very unexpected place in America, sent us a letter saying, my dad just died. He was the head of the last feast band in our area. I want to send you all his sheet music yeah. uh, for our museum. And I left shortly thereafter. But yeah, I mean, that's like, what a treasure, you know, these local songs in particular. Joe, you mentioned something that's piqued an interest that I want to ask both of you, if either of you have any specifics on the origin. As I got older and I learned about Italian musical history and Italian political history, you mentioned the Marcheriala, which is the Savoyard national anthem for Italy from at least Risorgimento for all of Italy, 1860 to 1946. And then after 1946, Italy becomes a republic and unofficially until a few years ago, they, they take on the, the Ino di Mameli, Fratelli d'Italia, becomes the new anthem. I notice that a lot of feasts I go to, particularly the ones in my area, and I don't know around the country, when the anthems are played, the U.S. anthem is played, and then the Italian anthem is played, the modern Italian anthem, which everybody loves, and it, it obviously, for those who know Fratelli d'Italia, it ends, you know, and after C, a lot of bands go right into the old Martial. And I've always found it so fascinating because, yeah, for all these immigrants, that was their that was their national hymn. But in Jersey City, they played Marcheriala after fireworks would go off. Right. Was that the same in Chicago? Oh, yeah. Anything fireworks related, expect the Marcheriala to be asked for. Uh, you know, the Marcheriala that you're hearing is just the little section in the middle. It's a very long piece. And it even has words to it. I was shocked to know that. How can you have words to that? And uh, oh wow, we had as the, the fanfare, the yeah. part that we hear, the yeah. midsection, and the, the right. trio. Yeah, it was, 
thank God we don't play the whole thing. We'd be uh, 24 processions. We'd, you know, <laughs> we'd still be there playing the same thing right now. I had no idea. Everyone wants to get to the point on this stuff. You know, they want to get right to the, the song itself, and you can't waste time. One time I did the Star Spangled Banner at the normal tempo, and the guy says, God, man, why are you playing that so slow for? I want it fast. I want to get it over with. You got to play the Italian version of the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> we call it the feast version of the Star Spangled Banner. And that it's, it's different. You go fast. Yeah. See, <laughs> I'm learning still. I, was, I led the band for about 10 years, but uh, I wasn't the boss. So I'm the, the gentleman that passed away uh, November 4th, 2020 named Richard DeZeo would run it and he would actually say, go faster. And he never told me why, because that was the request. I didn't know it. You know, there's feasts that we play still that forbid the March We don't play it. I mean, they, uh -oh, here we go the, again. Okay. For those reasons. Jer Jersey City played all fascist music. Fascist. That's what I'm all, about. all. That was like, but Jersey City was also the no. John knows this is a fact. It was the fascist Italian fascist capital of America. Uh, no. yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was the hotbed. Yeah, that's where I was born. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, I mean, in our book, our March book, you know, Americans have like three marches for a parade. We have a whole book, you know, seventy-five marches in our book, and uh, a lot of the marches from the 30s to 20s, they are in fact fascista marches that were retitled. They were, if you got the, the grand score, that's the partitura, the big uh, score of the band. It's Amaggio a Mussolini, Amaggio al Duce, and they, they're beautiful, beautiful march. I don't dare divulge the titles, you know, but they have new titles to them. Uh, well, I was in New Hyde Park, New York, and a, a priest ran the whole thing, it was a feast, uh, and all of a sudden, I broke into um, Facetta Nera, and he came up to me. He almost oh, hit me. The priest almost hit me. He says, I'll kick you out of here. You're going to stop playing that song. And I stopped. I stopped. Cut, cut, cut. I cut. And then I and yelled at me some more. And I said, sir, I didn't even know it was a fascist song. I'm sorry. And I, I didn't play it again ever. <laughs> that John, you should explain to everybody. Uh, the listeners are not going to probably know 90% of them, 95, what Facetta Nera is. Well, Pachetanera, which really means little blackface, actually, is a song written during the buildup to the invasion of Ethiopia. It's a fascist hymn. And it's all about how the Italians are going to bring to Ethiopia their civilization. And, and you know, it's, it's very antiquated. And um, what a piece of music. Yeah, very, very <laughs> antiquated view. But it is. It's a beautiful piece of music musically but obviously incredibly controversial and there, and there actually were versions written after the war that are not filled with offensive lyrics and and jovinets is another one i remember posting a video of nonna grating cheese and singing facetanera and people from italy went buck wild yeah and demanded that i like delete it and got really upset because you know who used to play for the bands in Jersey City was Red Mike Acampora, Red Mike's band. And Red Mike came to America, I think he was 12. He was a teenager, and he played for the Mussolini rallies up at Villa Walsh. But there was never a procession in Jersey City that would say, oh, Jovi Netson, Mike, Mike, play Jovi Netson, Mike, play Facetta Neda. And he would just kick right in. The amazing thing about it was he had played those songs right before the war for the fundraisers, for the Italian military, before we went to war with Italy. It was kind of surreal to be able to see somebody 
uh, I don't know what I'm saying, living that to live that history. Yeah. And I think that the, the fair point of this, too, is like a lot of this is our post-war language gap. Right. Because generation after the war really stopped speaking Italian. And don't forget, a lot of these feast bands, nobody's singing these songs. So the lyrics are, are nine out of ten times never heard by anybody. So it doesn't take very long before people lose sight of the fact that these songs are not just you know, charming feast ditties, but they're political songs that have a checkered background. So you can understand why now, even today, you get people who were not alive during that era probably don't actually even know the history of the song no. making requests. You know, it's 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 the complicated sort of World War II history of Italian America actually encapsulated in, in a couple of very upbeat songs. I was a music teacher in a school district where uh, a few kids, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. And I said, OK, fine. Okay, let's learn this song. Let's learn this song. I want you in the band next month. And the kid would say, I can't be in the band. I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Then I would explain to them, look, whatever song you can't play, it's just a song. I'm not teaching you to believe in what the concept of the song was. All I'm teaching you is this is a beautiful song. We're going to play it for a concert. You don't need to know why it's being played and whatever. Well, these people are not, other people I'm noticing are not, they don't care about that. What they care about is what it means. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't believe that either. I think a beautiful song should be played. I got to ask you another question. In Jersey City, specific saints had specific music. Right. Yeah, yeah that was one of my questions. Yeah. Like they would have the song they came out to would change. Right. Like Newark, they have a song in Newark for St. Gerard. Right. I don't think I, he's still, it's so old. They still call him Blessed Gerard in the song. And, you know, it's like Marty mentioned the Giglio song, right? Which we, we actually talked a lot about in a few episodes ago with Monsignor Jamie as the Giglio is approaching. You know, that's been imported back to Italy. They use it in Nola now. It's used in other feasts. A lot of people, like Marty said, don't even know what it is. But one of the songs that I absolutely love and the only recorded version I've ever heard is the Caliendo Banda is the processional hymn for San Gennaro. Oh, yeah. Marty, I mean, you brought that to Chicago, correct? I did. I, I, I from memory, I actually wrote it all out having heard it there, Mulberry Street. And then my good friend Marco Pizzano, I'm sure you guys know him. Oh, yeah. Another Titan. Yes, sir. You better believe it. He's an encyclopedia of this stuff. Um, he, he gave me the sheet music of the original composition of uh, uh, the title of that song is Aveste San Gennaro. That's the title of it. It was written for Mulberry Street. Uh, 19, I, I got the year wrong. Whatever the year it started, 1924 feast there. 23, 24. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And uh, written by a guy who was Guaranda was the guy that I think his name is Gennaro Guaranda. And Esposito was the uh, lyricist who wrote the words. It's got all, all these verses, you know. And I wrote it out and rescored it for the band to play here. Uh, we played it a lot. We do play it all the time. We played it. We had San Gennaro here for a while, the feast, over on Taylor Street in, in the city. But it, it had to be stopped in that for a few reasons. But we still play it all the time. Veste San Gennaro. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a great, it's a great tune. That's one of those, you know, the saint comes out, you play that for San Gennaro. For Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Melrose Park, there's a hymn, a religious hymn, Ave del Carmine. And I swear I can't find anywhere in the country anyone else playing it. It's only Chicago because I, Jersey had a different song for Mount Carmel. Yeah, it's a beautiful little hymn. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, well, I play that too. 
Joe, you would probably know. That's from the Julio. Yeah, that's from the Julio. That's from the Julio. At least as I know it. We play that all the time. Yeah. Nobody knows. It says Our Lady of Mount Carmel on it. But, uh, oh, it does. See, because I had always heard that people would call that Mount Carmel. And I, I did not connect that. That makes sense because the Giglio was danced with Mount Carmel in Williamsburg. So it makes sense now that that would be now that makes sense. I mean, Tutti Ferrara wrote right. like multiple Giglios. There's a Giglio for 108th Street. There's a Giglio for 116th Street. There's another Historia. one. You know, yeah, there's so yeah. many that he wrote every. Oh, there's incredible amount. I'm always hearing new ones, you know, the sheets of them. I mean, I think they wrote one for every feast every year, a new Giglio song. Well, you know what Marco told me? They would, and if I could get this done, it's on the Pat to do list when I do Marondo de Monde. They would have a new song every year to open up the feast. Yeah. And in the song would mention who all the big donors were the committee, the members. Yeah, the they donors. would mention everybody. There's nothing more Italian American than the committee commissioning a song about themselves to be the advertisement to make everybody know who's in charge. I mean, really, what more could you ask for? Well, if you pay attention in the Giglio feast, even now, they still do that in the Ogilio Paradiso song. If you listen to the only existing recorded version from Tutti Ferrara actually singing it, he, I think the names are Rosalie, Cacavale, Ferrara, like all these different names. Uh, they do that every year. They replace those names with the people who are, I think, the Capaparans and the, the Feast Committee. They're included in the song and they're updated every year because thankfully this is a sung hymn the Giulio Paradiso, it has lyrics, and so every year they have to update it to include who's actually behind the feast. I think that's an amazing lineage and consciousness all the way back, you know? Now, let me ask you, how many of your feasts, I know this is big out in Chicagoland, I, I, I don't know anyone who still, who still does it in the New York metro area. Do you still have symphonic concerts that are not part of the procession, but just like a, a, a symphonic concert night with the band? Who we meet? Yes. Oh, no, that's, it's... Uh... For us, nah. You either, Joe? No. No, I no mean, it stopped. Uh, we did it in Kong. We did it in certain places years ago. And all of a sudden, it's over and it's DJs. And that's killing the, the business. You know, I, I do believe there are a few concerts. We don't play any anymore. The Sicilian band, that's the other feast band here. I have to mention them. I mean, we're not the only one. That was Mike Rubino's band. Right, yeah. And they keep going, very strict tradition. They play all the old stuff. Like myself, I, they have a hell of a time trying to get people to play, which is, you know, join the crowd. But uh, they're keeping it going. They, they're the only band that really kept going all the way through since their start. Like my cousin had the band 1926. He died 68. And then there was no Napoli Don band for about six years. Then I got going again in that. But uh, they still play. But there are a few concerts uh, that they play at feasts, but very few. And we don't do any anymore. That's a hot topic. I mean, I've got three file cabinets full of operatic pieces, overtures, selections. The What we call the Canzoneri Napoli Don. That's the uh, songs. Oh, Solomio, all that stuff. But it's for the concert stand, you know. And... You know, the saddest thing, people just don't stand and listen to it. They want to hear an Elvis impersonator. They want to see, yeah. uh, you know, popular stuff. They, they won't stand. Like my grandmother would say. <laughs> I, I, I never in my life felt so connected in Italy. When I was in Laurino and I was there on the feast day of Santana of Laurino. And 
the night they had the symphonic concert. And I was like, wow, I get this. Like how many American, you'd have to be a hyphenated Italian American to get to Laurino and understand that, that the symphonic concert is, is part of the feast. And it was so nice in Italy to see young people, old people right. sit in a chair for an all, a whole night and enjoy symphonic music. It was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, look at the bandstands, the beautiful bandstands, beautiful, the lights, I I mean, the breathtaking, you know, and that, and they sit and they listen to it. I couldn't play the third act of La Traviata. I'll have a dog or a cat listening to it. You know, it's, those days are gone. I'm, I'm sorry to say. I just did a, a job through uh, a recommendation of Pat over here. And uh, it was, uh, we actually got up there and we did El Pensiero from uh, Nabucco from Verity. And the audience loved it. I think they loved it. I, Pat wasn't there yet. Uh, I didn't see that particular performance, but it was really nice to do that. You have to educate people. Kids yeah. today, I teach yeah. college. They have absolutely no basis in the humanities. And it's so sad. And, you know, we made such a poor investment in educating kids about the humanities. And now we're reaping what we've sown because they, they have no appreciation, no understanding. Yeah. I think so in the music part. I mean, I can't, I've said on other episodes, I don't know how to read music. I can't play an instrument. As an adult, I signed up for mandolin classes. The guy threw me out. He basically <laughs> said, you're just wasting my time and yours. And I don't know this stuff, but I have such a appreciation for people who do. Yeah. You know, you guys mentioned the difficulty in getting talent and actually filling out a band yes joe is it is it diff i mean in the new york new jersey area there's a couple of bands there's the Gilio band there's red mike you guys yes. is it is it are some of the people playing all different bands is it hard to get talent well um in, in my, my case you see i hire a lot of club date musicians because they'll just i could just say we'll start from the top we're going to skip the second ending blah 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 we get through it and we do a good job we end together they know a chord to go to the end they wouldn't stop in the middle of the song so I get club date musicians. What do you think a club date pays? Yeah. Club dates pay $200, $300 now. There you go. And if they pay two, $300, there's no way in a society is going to give me four or $5,000 to hire 15 musicians or 12 musicians. Hey, come to Chicago. I want to see our horror stories about that. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. And Chicago has to have a, a, a large amount of musicians, but again, I think the prices are pretty much the same. It's all about this. They want top pay and they can't play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. That's I mean, right. I love it. They know it all. I've played everything. I can play anything, you know. Uh, symphonic March? Oh, yeah. I know it all. So then I put a symphonic march in front of them, you know, and this is what they do. I, I just happened. I swear to God. That's right. Well, I can't do that, you know. Ha <laughs> You admit it. You know it all. I've got more for you, you know. You see, what I do is I I scan the music ahead of time and I send it to them before the gig. I do that too. Yeah. Uh, that, then you did think of it. And, and I said, look, do me a favor. I said, look, just look this over because when you walk with this music, it's going to be much harder to play. That's another thing. That's another story. <laughs> exactly. Right. The right? two pages long, the marches. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You oh, here's a page, page turn. They're too. walking. Wait a minute. All no, the procession's moving. You got to move. We're not marching. Yeah, going. Yeah. It's not a marching band. That's a big thing I didn't mention. Yeah. I don't know with you guys. But I get, I boil, my nobly down blood boils when I'm referred to as a marching band. It is not a marching band. Yeah. It's a feast band or a symphonic band. It is not a marching band. The procession's not a parade. You know what I mean? Mm. Yesterday, I hired a couple of young people because I couldn't get anyone on Father's Day to do this job. Yeah. So I hired a couple of good, good players, high-powered players. 
And I had to actually say to them, do, do me a favor, we're not marking time here. Well, all we're gonna do is stroll. We're gonna stroll and keep in line so it looks good. And we did it, but then we're going up a 45 degree hill or something in Wilmington, the only one that was there. And, 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 and I was winded myself and so were they. But so I had to call the simpler tunes that like uh, the Dodi Do's and the uh, the Dodi Do, which is Il Silenzio Bordo, by the way. That's great, Silenzio Bordo. Yeah. You know, if it's if it's a matter of difficulty in getting talent, and you know, I I do think as I've discussed with Pat and Pat and I've discussed on here, you know, Pat revived his feast. There's a collection of young guys who through the podcast. Charlie actually. Spotter, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they're they're reviving their feast coming up in a couple of weeks, I guess. Right, Pat? Is it? They're in Hamilton. They're doing St. John the Baptist in Hamilton. Oh, oh I I'll, go, I'll go there. Yeah. I've been there. Charlie's before. the bomb. Charlie's one of our loyalist listeners, loyalist supporters. Charlie is the bomb. And he is. he just got married. He's going to be a dad soon. God bless him. And when I see kids like him, I hate to say kids, but I'm at that stage. When I see, I know that our future is is secure because they will keep this going. And I am sure that when, when they get that going, they, they're bringing back John the Baptist. That will be a, a, an A-level feast because that will have all the bells and whistles. New episodes of Old Favorites are on Media Set Italia this May. A new season of Freedom will take you on brand new adventures, amazing you with the mysteries of history and nature, airing Wednesday nights. Test your smarts with the primetime edition of popular quiz show Avanti Un Altro every Thursday night with host Paolo Bonolis. And don't forget to catch the end of this round of Amici on May 15th and the best of edition on May 22nd. Plus new episodes of Uomini e Donne, Forum, Cotto e Mangiato, Verissimo, and more. Mediaset Italia brings you the best television entertainment from Italian channels Canale 5, Italia 1, and Rete 4. So you'll never miss a moment from Italy. Call your local television provider and ask about Mediaset Italia today. I love to see that. And, and Pat, your example, I, you know, we talk about it a lot on here. Young people who realize that these things, that sometimes they go dormant for silly reasons. You know, it's not that nobody's interested. Sometimes it's squabbling between a parish and a society. Yeah, and- but so many times it was, you know, there were so many boomers and members of the greatest generation. Oh, why do you keep doing this? Oh, why do you keep it going? Oh, yeah. Oh, come on now. You still, you know, somebody said to me when I brought back our feast from Maronda Ramon. Why don't you just get a boom box? I went apoplectic. They had to like tie me down to a chair. Why don't are you like, are you out of your mind? I've been through that. It's like Paul Pacelli said, someone said to him, why don't you get fake flowers for, for a lady Malcolm? I don't He goes, Do you get your mother fake flowers for Mother's Day? Go big or go home. That's my thing. Do it right or don't do it at all. That's what I say. Pat, who would ever say that to you that knows you? I grandma would say gender shamba, and they're out there. <laughs> so I went berserko. I'm always like, let's get more. I get dirty, you know, raise more money, get a bigger band. Everybody loves the band. And then after I got the band, they go, oh, that's beautiful. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. You don't get that from a boom box. I'm sorry. You got to have the band. A feast without a band, a procession without a band, don't have it. Just don't do it. But I got to say this. I got to say this. I know this from um, experience. When a feast is in trouble and the procession numbers are down and the feast numbers are down, you don't spend less, you spend more. You get a bigger band. You gotta, if you're not growing, you're dying. And you want, if you if you see your feast is in bad shape or your procession or whatever you do, you gotta get people today want authenticity. Yeah. 
So go out, raise the money, get the sponsorships. I've done it. You can do it and pay for the band, pay for quality. People are going to go, wow, those guys are phenomenal. Wow, that's fantastic. Yes, thank you. Let me tell you something. Support these feast bands. Encourage the young people in your life who play these instruments to join these feast bands. We have to support guys like Marty and Joe. This is a labor of love. If you think they're making a buck on this, you're smoking something. I don't know what is Vaznigol. I don't know what people smoke today, but <laughs> these guys are out there. It's a labor of love. They're getting pulled here, pulled there. You forgot to play that song for my mother. They're sweating in 8,000 degree heat, walking on a July afternoon at 12 o'clock when it's 1,000 degrees. This because they love this because we all have that same, like John says, an Italian American uh, disease. And you got to support them because if we don't get behind them, they can't make the music happen. You know, get out there, support them, hire them for weddings, for funerals. For a dying breed. Yeah, I mean, years ago, I mean, somebody died, you got the band. The kids got married, you got the band. There was a feast, you got the band. Summertime concert, get the band. Yeah, I had the band. My wedding, we had the band. The Julio band came, yeah. There you go. Now, I got a question. Uh, Marty was kind enough, and I, we've never met, and I've always wanted to meet, and I, I really, until my basically third grandfather George Randazzo uh, passed, unfortunately, a few years ago. I was in Chicago a lot, and I haven't had the occasion to be back after George's passing and COVID and things, but we're going to get to meet because I've always wanted to make an effort for us to get together. But through a mutual friend, Robert Allegrini, who's now the president of the National Italian American Foundation, Marty was kind enough to send me one of the CDs that you guys make. Oh, yeah. I'm obsessed with this stuff. I have the Giglio CD and things. You guys produced a, a vinyl record at some point early on, right? Yes, we did. 1982. I got it right here. 1982. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. And then records stopped being stylish. People had no more record players. It's got a little book inside of it about the feast and that kind of stuff. It's got uh, Melrose on the cover. So how, how do we, I love the fact that you guys are on here together and you can exchange war stories and, you know, ideas and things like that. How do we create something under the auspices of the podcast where we can maybe get some of these bands together just to record and to record oral histories. And yeah, maybe, maybe it's a CD that we can put together and sell to raise money for this kind of stuff. Is that something we can do? This has to be like Alan Lomax. We have to record these songs and tell people if they have lyrics, what are the lyrics, what saint were they written for? Cause even those of us who are obsessed don't know it. So how do we create an exchange? Well, that's just it. It has to be put out there. It, like what you're doing right here with this edition of this podcast, you know, it's gotta be out there. This could be done this way too, can it, Marty? I mean, where you, you record something here and then over there, it's it's combined with the other group. It can be done all over the country if it wants to be. There's still some great feast bands left yet. You know, the Verity Band, the Banda Rosa, Sicilians here. I mean, well, you guys. The Verity Band from Pennsylvania, from Norristown. I was yeah. with them yesterday. Hey. And they knew I was down on, on trumpet players because I couldn't get enough people to play. So all of a sudden they looked at my music and I heard La Triestina and they said, we do too. We combined the two bands. It was the best moment of my, I've ever had with a feast wow. band. Wonderful. Combined the two bands. It was great. They were wonderful. I, I, I hugged Italians could only work together. Look at what we could do. I hugged half of them. Let me real quick for Joe. I got sheet music here. Oh. It's a march. Yeah. For you. 
This was written by Angela De Virgilis. The title is Neglia. Neglia, oh boy. And, uh, <laughs> it's a symphonic it. march, it. yeah. I transcribe it to, to the small paper. You want this? I'll, I'll send it to you. It's, oh, it's, please. Even it's if very difficult. It. We don't play it. My cousin played it. It's so old, it's falling apart. But oh, I wanted thank to show you. tell you on here today. That's I really all. appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was written for him by De Virgilius. Oh, gee, that's great. This is what it's all about for us. This is what our, our effort and our work is about. I mean, Gosh, I, I especially now that we're getting back into the swing of things, I would imagine the winter is a downtime for free spans. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah, for us, we're do- we go dormant, you know. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe when the winter comes, we could find a, a, a good location and see if we can get some representation. It would do like an all star band, you know, and get everybody who's really hardcore and maybe we'll record something. And I don't know, man. Uh, Sicilian and Abolidan and Calabre all together. I don't want good luck, you know. No, <laughs> Italy stumbles through, you know, it functions as best it can. So I would imagine it'd be a lot of fun. I really, I, I would love to get this stuff recorded for posterity because, be, yeah, it really has to be recorded. It's too much, it's, it, I, it's infinite. It, it really has to be recorded. It's going to be lost forever. It really will be. Yeah. And especially here in tunes that you you love, and uh, maybe you don't know the origin of them, what feast they came from, and you know what. It'll never be lost as long as John and I have wind in our lungs. <laughs> That's right. Go, I'm gonna go down fighting. Paddle play. I don't things. know. I don't know when after I'm. He'll gone. be playing him on on his deathbed on a kazoo if he has I, to. I, I, you know what? What is the kazoo? You did. We had this on another episode. It's coming. I got an American kazoo. You didn't it's find the only instrument one, I'll huh? ever get to. No, I couldn't find the Neapolitan one. It's the only instrument I'm competent to play is a kazoo, and I'm gonna play that. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a kazoo. A kazoo. What do they? What do they call that? Like what they call? I don't know. What would you possibly? So the guy, when you're like a, a prodigy with the kazoo, what I'll be a kazoo prodigy. Hey, gentlemen, can I ask a question? So my favorite procession song. I'm from Oldie Body. We all know is. Mira el Tuapapolo. Do you guys know that one? Do you guys know that one? It's on that CD, I think. Uh, that's my favorite one. I mean, it's a little somber. It's yes. not the most jazzy. But that one, I hear that one, and I'm dead. You and know, imagine, you know, singing it. Please, I can't. I can't listen. Our, the barres here, the Molody Bar, they ask for that all the time. Well, yeah. When we play uh, Dolorada here. Yeah, yeah that, that's her jam. Yeah, <laughs> that's her theme. But it yeah. is like a funeral march. It, it does sound, but it's it's nice. Yeah. I, I got to ask you one last question. It's, it's an Italian division question. Out of all the parts of Italy, what people are the best to play for? I've asked every Italian DJ. Ooh, they say Nabudan Sicilians that. are very difficult. Nabudan people, they agree on a price and then they try to renegotiate. <laughs> And I, that's my people. I, I, I have no, they say barres are quick. It's all cash. Sure. No problem. For me, I have to say the barres are probably the, the most business-like for me. Nabulidan, that's my paisan. So I have to hear all this, you know, oh, come on. It's for a paisan. Give us a break. You know, yeah, Sicilian, yeah, I says the same with, thing. Yeah. I mean, I go with the Sicilian. I, they, I find them very, they're strict to the tradition though. I like that. Well, Ro gave us her favorite hymn or March. Pat, what's yours? I'd have to say I feel like a, I'm a I'm a Bourbon trader, but I just love the fireworks with Montreal. If you ask me an emotional childhood thing, it's all the fireworks going off in here. Then so I think that would be. And as they bring the sand out of the church and you strike up the Montreal, it it does something to people. And the fireworks at the same time, that moment the saint enters the you know outside, the Montreal, you know. Well, when the sta- the statue comes out with a Viva Maria. 
I guess it depends on the piece, too. That I would say is a number two. So I'd say Macho Real is a number one, and Aviva Maria is a number two. How about you, Joe? Well, actually, the one that I, could, I couldn't sing really fast, I really liked the St. Gerard hymn that came out of the St. Lucie Church in Newark, New Jersey. I really liked that one very much. And I remember all the people clapping like crazy, and they released the birds in the air and the whole thing. And I think that's my favorite uh, of a hymn anyway. But marches, I like, I like most of them that I play. And I like La Triestina. It's a beautiful march. And I'm, and I'm dying to get my hands on the rest of them that my friends has in uh, Ode de Bella. And I can share some with Marty. This is why we need, we need a feast band union, like an exchange. Yeah. And Marty, what's yours? I don't know. You know, there's so many of them. Yeah. There's some I can't stand that they, the musicians like. But I, I really, I can't pick one. Uh, we play Triestine a lot. I tell you which one. Alveste San Gennaro, that one is... To play that, uh, it's always something to it. And, and also for emotion, uh, for Amaro Nugarm, the uh, Avi del Carmine hymn. You yeah, know. That's, that's, that, should, that should be like the Chicago Italian Land National Anthem. When they bring her out, uh, the most still to the, the people where they cry and everything, it's just something to see when we play that. I don't care what time, whenever we play it. So I have to say those two. It's funny you say that because for me, as we discussed a couple episodes ago, the Giglio song is, is just stands your hairs on your neck you know at attention because it reminds me of my grandparents and, and it's it's you know it's my neighborhood right like it's a it's the, it is the anthem of my neighborhood so right emotionally that's my if i had to listen to one feast on the rest of my life that's it but i will say musically I, this is an admission that i i can't you know in the morning sometimes in the shower if i have a big meeting or something i will play the san Gennaro hymn because i, I just love it I, I it reminds me of great times at the san Gennaro feast but to be honest i never even put together that it was for him until not that long ago and uh was able to find you guys on youtube uh your recording of it and uh it's the one that yeah i just love the composition i love the music it's something special about it you hear them sing along with it it's great the, the, the lyrics to it and everything it's like a julio song you know, all the w- w- uh, words to it that's it's really cool i gotta see those i'd love to hear those i'll send it to you i'm kind of surprised john because you're such a williamsburg person yeah, I, know, I but, thought you would have gone with Giulio because, like, that's that's the national anthem of Williamsburg. Well, it's like Marty said, you know, music. the Regatum is emotionally, but then the the from a music perspective, perhaps it's I just love that song. I, I love listening to it. I listen to it over and over again. And you know, I'm dead serious about getting people together and exchanging sheet music. And don't forget, we're about to dig through 110 year old archive in Ernie Rossi's, and you know, these are things that people want to see and people want to learn. Uh, we've asked a bunch of different bands if they would be willing to learn the two Sicilies Royal March too, because that's a wonderful piece of music and a deep part of our history. And Pat and I have got versions of it all over the place. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of positives in the future. Monsignor Ambrosio was the guy who promulgated the, um, the Royal March of the House of Bourbon. Yeah, he did. He had it all over the place. It was played at the feast there. I played it after uh, the feast over at Holy Face, Pat. I played it in Newark. Yeah, see? See? Thank you very much, Joe. The Ambrosio legacy lives on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful piece of music. It really is. It's another nice march. And you teach people such amazing history. And I love that. I think that that's really what this is all about. Any band out there, any feast band that needs music or any particular piece, I urge them, let me know. I've got so many tunes. I'd be more than willing to give, you know, to send you the tunes and that. Anybody that has a band, 
It's don't, don't be playing the junk, you know, play the good stuff. The stuff well, should I, be played. I'll take anything you can give me. And if there's anything. Oh, yeah, seriously. Music, think I'll, of whatever. Develop know. music. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Marty is a man of his word. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm sure he is. The procession, <laughs> the procession. The procession. And the dead Christ in Jersey City needed uh, oh. funeral marches. And yeah. Mar- we Remember? called Marty at the last moment. He shipped them out here on his own dime. He's oh, a class man. act, a class oh, act, a true Italian American and a gentleman. We and I'll never forget same. that. You, but you did. You, I'll never forget that kindness that you did us. I'm so glad you got it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's true. A lot of risk in, in shipping anything. But that, yeah, that means a great deal to everybody. And I don't know. I got these ideas ruminating in my head. How are we going to bring people together? Because that's what our platform's all about is bringing everybody together and just digging into and revealing this amazing history so that it evolves forward for the next generation to learn. Cause when you learn that deep history, it stays with you more. When you hear a song, you may have a, a song stuck in your head, but when you, you hear the history, you hear the lyrics, you see where it came from, how many countless men and women have sweat over a hot feast into the pavement to play this. It means something different. So that's what we want to bring. And that's what you guys bring every time you pick up those instruments and lead those bands. So thank you guys for what you do for the community. And, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much. It was great. Thanks. We'll do it again. Yes, we will. No, we need a March of the Owl. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'll go out to the March of the Owl. That's what I'll do. I'll, I'll play us out if I can find a fan <laughs> version in particular. There are plenty on the YouTubes, by okay, the way. Okay, that's what I'll do. Just I'll, like your wonderful YouTubes, by the way. I've listened to about hey, seven or eight of them so far, and I really enjoy them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you. Joe. That means a lot to me. Yeah. Really, no, we ate. To... Wait till you see California. We ate in seven restaurants in one day because we had to get all the film. In. <laughs> That's true. I never got so <laughs> sick in my life. And these when people, you come to Chicago out, for crying out loud. We got. We got, we got to talk to you about doing that with you guys and what how we do what feasts. That's really important, and oh, man, we got to do that. Great. And I, you know what? I'd love to do one of these days. Maybe we do one. I mean, neither none of us play instruments, but maybe we do one where we put on uniforms and just participate with you I'm guys. I'm gonna play the as well, I'll take away my moment. Yeah. yeah, I, I can do. I can well, do the triangle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, tambourine. Yeah, yeah. Tambourine. yeah. Davis, but the, the word for that is dead wood. We put. The- <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But we well, gotta wear the uniform. It doesn't yes. count unless you got the uniform on. We'll be well dressed, dead wood. We're we're okay with that. We really are. We're It's all about the uniform. No, we'll volunteer. We'll certainly volunteer. But yeah, we uh, we're looking forward to it. So I'm gonna get the material and play us out to uh, one of the more popular feast tunes. I hope you guys have all enjoyed. If you've got a feast in your neighborhood, if you've got a feast you come back to, and you know a band, send it our way so we can bring these groups together and uh, keep this stuff going because it is so much a part of who we are. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. You see why he would be good with the kazoo? You're reading it. I'm going to make that kazoo one.